Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Thank you. Well, good morning. Thank you. I like it when you respond. <laughs> Well, I feel a little bit privileged that I get to be the first to preach on this pretty stage. It is pretty, but as nice as the carpet is and the stage, it's not about them today. It's about Jesus. So we're going to turn his fo- our focus to him. Um, so yeah, like Chad was saying, we're three weeks into our New Year series, First Things First. And today I have the privilege of sharing with you on our third P, which is the preciousness of people. Um, So when Chad spoke on that last week in December, almost got my months mixed up, um, he had sort of a key verse that he would have shared for each point. So we're going to look at that today as we start. So that was 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 6. And it says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness this is good and pleases god our savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth for there is one god and one mediator between god and men the man christ jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all men the testimony given in its proper time. So in Timothy, it says, petitions, prayers, intersection, and thanksgiving be made for all. Can everyone say all? (laughs) People. It says, who wants all? There's that word again. Come on, guys. I know you can do it. All people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth. So when we were preparing for this series... Chad gave me the four Ps and said, let me know what's on your heart. So I had some thought about it, and this was one of the ones on my heart. So that's great. That's sorted. It's feeling pumped and passionate. So I ran to Mark, who was in the other room, and I said, Mark, guess which one I'm going to preach on? Here are the four, and I listed them, you know. Um, Presence in person of God, protection of your heart, preciousness of Jesus, blah, blah. So Mark goes, hmm protection of your heart? He's like, not preciousness of people. He goes, person and presence of God? And I'm like, "Mm, no, preciousness of people. And he looks at me, really? And I'm like, oh, oh no, what's wrong with that? Starting to feel a little insecure about my choice here. I'm like, Mark, what's wrong with that? And he goes, well, you hate people. So here's the thing. On a daily basis, I come home and say one of two things to my husband. Either I hate people or people are stupid. You see, I work in retail. So on a daily basis, people take their frustrations out on me people are rude to me, or people treat me like I'm insignificant. And some days, I feel like 
I hate people. Now, I'll make this disclaimer. Not all customers are bad. Some are lovely, some bring me treats, and some of my customers are you. And these customers leave my day a little brighter. But unfortunately, one bad customer can ruin a day. So some days, I hate people. But let me also say this. <laughs> I wouldn't have studied youth ministry. I wouldn't be leading a youth group. And in February, I would not be starting a master's in counseling if I didn't believe in the preciousness of people. People are precious. And in our key verse, Paul makes it very clear that God wants us to pray intercede, and dare I say it, even give thanksgiving for all people. He wants all of his people to come to a knowledge of the truth, which is him. God wants all people to know him. And God thinks that all of his people are worth dying for. He died so that we could know him. So if we look at Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Rob was telling me a story this week, how he always sees this tagline on church buildings. You're driving by the church and the sign, or maybe they've even got it like embossed right on their building. For the wages of sin is death. And Rob's driving by looking like, okay, and where's the second part? And it's not there. It's almost like these churches think, if we say, and I'm not trying to bash other churches, but for the wages of sin is death, we'll scare people in the doors. But the thing is, it doesn't make sense if we don't finish it. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that is the important part. We all deserved this death, but Jesus provided a better way for us. And he wouldn't have done this if he didn't think that we had value. He loves all of us, and he loves each of us. All of his people matter. And so he sent his son to die for all. But here's the thing. I think to understand the preciousness of people, you first have to understand the preciousness of you. If you don't understand your own value, I have to ask, can you truly understand the value of another? How do you understand someone else's value if you don't first understand what you are worth to God? And this is important because value doesn't come by our own definition. A person's value is and should only be defined by God. So what does this word precious mean anyway? The word precious sounds a bit fragile sometimes or maybe a bit weak, but it's something of great value. It's something not to be wasted. Some synonyms include valuable, costly, expensive, or high-priced. Now, I haven't met many women who don't love a good diamond or a good piece of jewelry. We call them precious stones. 
a precious gem, or men, maybe you love a nice watch, and they're precious. But I think precious is just a nice way of saying these things are expensive. Man, do they cost a lot. And men, I get it, you're not into gems. They're the things that cost you a lot for your wives. But I'm hoping you'd say that your wife, your girlfriend, your mother, or your daughter is precious. But she's a woman. So let's be honest, she costs you a lot. Time to get serious. <laughs> I'm going to share a story with you. Um, and I normally wouldn't lead by telling you that I was going to share a story. Um, yeah, but Satan had a go last night, and I was feeling a little rattled about sharing. Um, feeling like what I experience is silly or insignificant. Um, and someone said to me this morning, I feel like there's something that if you were going to cut from your sermon, you need to leave it in. So that was confirmation <laughs> that I need to share. Um, but bear with me. Vulnerability is not my strong point. <laughs> Facts are, but vulnerability not so much. Um, so many of you would know that um, from previous sermons that I lived in French Canada for a while because I'm Canadian. Um, and that was before I met my wonderful husband, Mark. And during this time in French Canada, um, I was in another relationship with someone I actually thought I was going to marry, um, someone I thought that I would do ministry with, and someone I thought that we would be happy together. And I had a lot of struggles that year, and some of them were my own undoing. Some of them were thrust upon me by others. Um, and I'm a perfectionist by nature, not a perfectionist in the good resume, I like to do things well sense, even though I play that to my advantage sometimes, but in the, it is a stronghold and can become sin in my life kind of way. I can forget to experience grace kind of way. So that year I let perfectionism and insecurity consume me and I pushed God away and I felt like a victim and I didn't feel like I had any way out. And so because I was feeling this way, I began to find my source of validation and my value in this man that I was in a relationship with. And when we broke up, because obviously we did, because I'm not married to him, <laughs> he broke up with me on the phone. <laughs> and the breakup felt like a massive betrayal um, we had broken up about a month prior, um, and I was absolutely shattered, but I knew that God would give me the strength to move, move forward, and I had made plans to go to, the, to camp and to get away and to, to regroup, um, and then he came to me, and he begged me to try again. He had made a mistake. He couldn't imagine life without me. He didn't want to do life without me. And so now, in this moment, he attacked me, as, as people do, but I was blindsided. You see, he didn't just blame me for the breakdown of our relationship. He went straight to my heart and soul. He told me that I had a bad character. 
and he attacked my relationship with God. He said something like, you say you want to be a youth pastor, but you don't talk about Jesus enough. You don't seem to rely on him enough. And those two things stung the worst. Um, he accused me of being a victim. He accused me of being insecure, indecisive, shutting him down. I pushed him away, apparently, um, when he was trying to help. And I actually tried to go back in my journal and find where I had written all of these things he said about me down, because I wanted to be real with you. I think, fittingly, though, that journal is in Canada where it belongs. <laughs> and the reason I say it belongs in Canada is because the reason I had written those things down is because I had let those things be written on my heart. I didn't write them down for the right reasons. I wrote them down because I believed it. So I left that relationship and that season of life feeling like an absolutely crappy person. I didn't like me, and that's not even strong enough. I kind of felt like I experienced self-loathing for the first time. I struggled with who I was, and I wondered why a God would create me if I was a bad person. Um, why he could love me, or how, or if. And please don't think that this was all about a boy, because there were many things about that horrible year that brought me to this point. And I was, I was stuck in my head, and I was trying to figure it out. But it was his words that cut the deepest, and it was his words that I carried, and it was his words that I would fall asleep at night thinking about. It was his words that I chose to believe. I let him steal away my value and make me feel like I wasn't precious or valuable. And the hardest part about sharing this, because it attacks my perfectionistic, perfectionistic nature, is that he wasn't wrong about everything he said about me. I did have some serious stuff to work through that year. And I did feel like a victim, and I was insecure, and I had definitely pushed God away. The thing is, is that that is okay, except that I didn't understand my own value. I didn't understand that if some of his words were true, my God still tells me that I have value. And because I didn't know this, I believed his words to mean that I had none. And because I believed that I had no value, I started to buy into the lie that I had no value to God. Look, without Jesus, I don't like me very much. <laughs> My sin is ugly, humanity can be ugly, and I am a pretty broken person. But Jesus loves me anyway. Jesus loves me despite all of that. Jesus still thinks that I am precious. Jesus still thinks that I matter. And some of you need to hear that today. Jesus loves you despite everything, in spite of everything. Jesus still thinks that you matter, and Jesus still thinks that you are precious. You matter, and you are precious. And there isn't any amount of anything that can take that away. You first 
need to understand your own value, and then I think you really understand how much another is valued by God. Because there's no amount of anything that takes your value away, and there's no amount of anything that takes anyone else's value away. So when you understand how much you cost Jesus, when you understand how much you matter, and when you understand how much you are worth, you begin to understand how precious others are. My whole life, Jesus dying on a cross was just another part of the story from Easter. I was immune to those words they beat him, immune to the fact that he bled. And then I read this book that described the process of crucifixion, and that sounds a little morbid, but it described how Jesus would have been beat. It describes how he would have bled, how chunks of literal flesh would have flown off of his body. And then, yet, they would lash him again. It put his humanity into perspective, but it also put his deity into perspective because he didn't have to do it, and he did it anyway. Jesus was beaten for you and for all of the other people. What if we look at our key scripture again? Petitions, prayers, intersection, and thanksgiving be made for me. Who wants me to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth? When you see your true self and you know that God loves you anyway, God loves you despite, in spite, you understand that Jesus loves them too whoever them is, regardless of who and regardless of what. Jesus would have died again just for me, and he would die again just for you. And that is why the preciousness of people matters and why it should matter with urgency. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six to 40 says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. God's second commandment is that we love our neighbor as ourself. Second, second to loving him, he says, Above all, love each other deeply. What happens when we love deeply? I think we want the best for one another. And the best is eternal life. We love God because we understand how valuable he is. When we love people, we understand how valuable they are. And believe me, I'm challenged by this today too, because when those customers come through my doors, I don't want to always see their value. In Luke 15, Jesus tells a parable of the lost sheep. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. 
Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Church, there is value in the life of the one. The shepherd leaves 99 to find one. Her story isn't mine to tell, so I'm not going to share all the details. But my whole life, I've seen people, certain people, take value from my mom. And because they've taken her value away, she's believed that she hasn't had any. And because my mom hasn't believed that she hasn't had any, sorry, (laughs) people haven't wanted to give her value. And this infuriates me. My mom is great. I had the mom that all my friends thought was the best. My mom would give you the shirt off her back. My mom is loving. And all she ever wanted to do was be a mom. So how dare someone take away her value? Who are we to tell God, the God who created us, who breathed us into existence, that ourselves or that anyone else doesn't have value? And I'm not sure that I've said that strong enough. (laughs) Who are we to tell the God of this universe, the creator of all, the one who created you, that we or anyone else doesn't have value. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. I had someone massage this into my brain at a time in my life where I didn't understand my value. And so I want it to be massaged into yours today. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have value, and no one can take that. Luke 12 says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. And I'm hoping I'm not taking this verse out of context, but seriously, who numbers the hairs on your head if they don't think you have value? I have so much hair. Who does that? Would you tell a mother who has carried a baby, nurtured it, loved it, anticipated its birth for nine long months, and then painfully delivered it, or at least so I'm told. (laughs) That their baby's ugly? Or that it's not precious? That their baby has no value? You just wouldn't. You wouldn't. And you're probably going to get a really angry mom scratching out your face if you do. 
So why do we tell God that his children aren't valuable? Do we all know what a ransom is? We see it in the movies all the time, right? They hold someone hostage. You've got this much time to deliver the ransom or... (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. A ransom is a price I'm willing to pay for someone. And God paid that price with his son. He paid that ransom for all with Jesus. And he would die again only for you and only for them. Jesus cares about the one like the lost sheep that the shepherd went to find. Jesus has paid the price for all people because people are precious. Bill Hybels wrote a book called The Seven Wonders of the Spiritual World. And in this book, he says, you have never looked into the eyes of a human being who does not matter to God. No, not even when looking in the mirror. When that truth grips you at the core of your being, you will never be the same. You will live in awe of the scope and depth and breadth of God's love and you will treat people differently. Church, I've never looked into the eyes of someone that God does not love. And I'm challenged by that today, because like I said before, there are some people that treat me poorly that I don't want to love, that I don't want to credit with value. I make myself the judge when Jesus is whispering, Aaron, just see their value. Do you know how precious they are to me? Do you know how much I want them? And it honestly doesn't matter how poorly they treat me or what I think of them because God still wants them. He still wants them in the kingdom He still wants to love them. He still wants to speak value into their lives. When this incredible truth penetrates your soul, you'll never be the same and you'll treat others differently. So I ask you today, what do you need? Do you need to believe in your own preciousness? Or do you need an urgency for all people coming to a knowledge of the truth? I think some of you need to deal with one of those two things today. Some of you need to understand how much you are worth, how much value you have. Some of you need to look into the mirror for the first time and see in your eyes the value that God sees. Some of you already know this, but this year as we start to set first things first, you will need a fresh urgency for the souls of others. So together, 
I want us to pray for two things and then respond to one. Do you guys all want to stand with me? Let's close our eyes this morning and I want to pray for two groups of people. Um, and after I've described this person, you can just raise, raise your hand if that's you. The first is this. Do you need an urgency in your life today for the souls of others? I want to challenge you with that. I really want to challenge you with that. The whole point of the gospel is that Jesus came to give us grace. So what's the point if we don't think that other people are worth having that? So if today you need an urgency for other people's souls, I just want you to raise your hand and we'll pray for that in a minute. The other is this. Do you know the Jesus that gives you value? If there's anyone here today that doesn't know the Lord and doesn't know how much you're worth to him, you don't know your value, and you're like, yes, that's me. I want to know this God today. But I want you to raise your hand. We have a family here that wants to welcome you into that that we want to walk in that value with you. So if that's you and you want to understand your value for the first time, if you want to know that God, just urge you to raise your hand and we'll pray for that too. Is there anybody here that needs that today? Just give you another minute. All right, so let's pray for those two things. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being a God who gives us value. Regardless of who we are, regardless of whether we deserve it, regardless of any of it. Lord, we just want to thank you today that you are a gracious God. And God, we just pray that you put that challenge in our hearts, Lord, that your people matter, Lord. Please, Lord, just inundate that urgency into our hearts today. All people matter. And as we put first priorities in order this year, God, I just pray that one of those things that we will remember is that all of your people matter and that that will become a priority. We will invite friends to church. We will tell them about your name. We will do whatever it takes, Lord. We will treat people differently. 
so that they can know that they matter to you. Lord, if there's anyone that needs to know you today, I pray for them too. You are a God who loves all. You are a God who wants everyone to rejoice with you in heaven. You rose again to prepare a place for us there. So we thank you for welcoming us into the kingdom, to giving us a better life that we don't deserve. For seeing the best in us when we don't see it in ourselves. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The other thing that I want to leave open for you today is for those of you who don't understand your own value. And that's maybe something that you need a little help working on. So we do have a prayer team, and if you do want prayer, they'll be happy to meet with you and pray. Because your God died for you. And you have value. And it's not always easy to believe that. So we're gonna come alongside each other. And if you just want some prayer for that today, if you need to deal with that today, we'd just like to invite you to deal with that with others. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.